This is Diagnosing the Dying Church. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to Never Forget the Blood's Worldwide Bloodcast. We're here bringing you freedom from religious bondage by reminding you of the simple gospel. Our goal is to encourage you in your study of God's word in faith, to provoke you towards prayer and true spiritual worship, and to equip you to love one another. That means your enemies and yourself. If you've ever felt in your soul constricted under the weight of obligatory chains, whether from thoughts in your own mind or from a deception that's been fed by other people, we want you to know that there is liberty and healing available in Jesus Christ and that God has already and abundantly made every provision necessary for you to obtain and walk in this freedom. Diagnosing the dying church. Friends, let's go ahead and talk about that scarlet elephant in the room that's drunk with the blood of the saints that no one wants to seem to acknowledge. You've noticed it. Your church is dying. It's not like it used to be. You remember a time when the sanctuary was full on Sunday mornings, not just on communion week or when there was an important business meeting or when there was a chicken dinner after service. You remember when you had evening meetings. You remember when the midweek was so active that you had to shift the paradigm to split into multiple classes. You remember when, when people were excited to serve. You remember when the altars were flooded with the penitent. And you remember a time when evangelism was anticipated. But now you struggle to even make it through a normal Lord's Day morning without stopping halfway through the sermon because of the grief and discouragement. How can we begin to understand this issue? Why is your church dying? Why does it seem that no matter what strategies you employ, nothing seems to work? Do we need another program? Do we need more creative sermon illustrations? Do we need more comfortable seats? A better website or, or a live stream platform? Well, friends, these things are all fine, but what God is most concerned about is the thoughts and intentions of your heart. My friend, whether you are a pastor, a deacon, a committee leader, a music team member, a custodian or landscaper, or simply a member who longs for the glory of God, it doesn't matter. It matters, but in this case, it doesn't matter. It's a good thing that you are experiencing the grief over the lack of fervor that your church once had. And even better, if you see your own heart failing to line up with the enthusiasm that you once had, it's a good thing. But these problems will never be solved or even effectively addressed by the arm of the flesh. That's important because many of these problems are actually the result of the arm of the flesh. Somewhere along the line, the seed of pride, greed, and selfish ambition was sown in the field of someone's heart. And it was ignored and allowed to be nurtured, coddled, and cultivated. And now, almost all the members of your church are fighting for control and position. Everyone is swinging around their title and authority, building their own towers and making names for themselves, or at least they're attempting to. Or they're striving to preserve the past because we've always done things this way. 
Oh, friend, you may even have a decent number of attendees in your meetings and events, but you're just full of Marthas who are just busy with much serving and their hearts are failing them. What you need is a few more Marys who will choose the better portion and just gather to sit at the master's feet for a while. Serving is good if it's done out of a faithful heart of love. But if anything is not done in faith, it is always sin. It would be far better for you to steward faithfully in the little that you've been given rather than dominate and manipulate others with grievous burdens to vainly build something that the Lord never intended to be built by you. And you can see that in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Galatians 3.3 3. Now, I need you to listen to me very carefully. Listen here. I don't care if you're a charismatic Pentecostal or a Reformed Presbyterian. I don't care if you are a part of the, the most prosperous convention in America or if you are a small non-denominational congregation in the backwoods of the Burmese jungle. What you need, what we need in the church today what we need is the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that God would blow his mighty rushing wind upon us again. Oh, that we would burn again. Do you remember that flame, that tongue of fire that once rested upon you and consumed your entire being? There once was a fire burning bright and hot, but now the flame has dimmed down and the coals are even beginning to cool off. Friends, we have replaced the supernatural blazing fire of God's altar with gas logs that we can turn on and off at our convenience. We believe we are eternally secure because of the perfect atoning work of Christ, but we've lost our relationship with the Lion of Zion because he was too wild for us. Because we've got to get in line at Cracker Barrel, Lord. You know, I've got, I've got some work to do on my business. I have to help so-and-so with this. I, I, I've got this meeting to get to. We had plans, God. We're too busy running around creation to stop and enjoy time with our Creator. And that's what He longs for. That's what Sunday morning's supposed to be about. Ought we not rather to resound with Moses? Lord, if your presence does not go with us, what is the point in even going one more step? Even the Calvinist Puritans understood that the church needs the abiding presence of the power of the Holy Spirit to continue marching on so that the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. This is what is often referred to as the anointing, although many misnomers and misunderstandings surrounding that term have been superfluous, let's be honest. Oftentimes, people have attributed the anointing to a mere adrenaline rush. What they said was the glory of God was just a gifted motivational speaker who knew some good crowd control techniques. Many times what we believed was dunamis power was nothing more than delusional pretense. We've seen so much abuse misuse and false attributions of and toward the Holy Spirit in some fringe charismatic circles that, that those of us in more conservative camps 
have been tempted to swing the pendulum in the opposite direction and place our stakes in the mud of ritualistic stoicism. And many of us have been so afraid of, of making a mistake that we've settled for scholasticism over true spiritual fervor. But God is not the God of the mind only. He is the God of the mind, but also the God of the heart and the soul. He is an all-consuming fire, and we must be willing to release our preconceived notions and the traditions of men if we wish to see the Word of God begin working mightily in the people of God. Now, I want you to be uh, encouraged to be looking out for the, the next video in this series, Diagnosing the Dying Church, because in, in there we'll continue this topic by looking into the factors of fear which can stifle the very real power of the Holy Spirit. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on that. So make sure you subscribe and ring that bell below to get notified when that video comes out. For now, just click on this video uh, popping up on your screen for more encouragement in your faith. And until next time, my friends, just see to it that no man steal thy crown and never forget the blood. In this video, we're going to be talking about the pretense of pragmatism. The pretense of pragmatism. What is hindering the life of the Spirit in your church, in your congregation? Are you hungry for God? Friends, if you're ready for this, let's hop into it. Welcome to Never Forget the Blood's Worldwide Bloodcast. We're here bringing you freedom from religious bondage by reminding you of the simple gospel. If you've ever felt constricted in your soul, whether by thoughts in your own mind or, or from a deception that's been fed by other people, we want you to know that there is healing and liberty in Jesus Christ and that God has already and abundantly provided every provision necessary for you to walk freely in this freedom. We want you to be encouraged in your study of God's word and faith. We want to provoke you towards prayer and true spiritual worship and to teach you how to love one another, your enemies and yourself. Friends, welcome to the Bloodcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking more about diagnosing the dying church and more specifically the the pretense of pragmatism and the danger of that. In the last episode, we, we looked at some of the, the issues of pride, greed, and selfish ambition, which can be big problems that cause death to occur. But this episode will focus, again, more on how the, the common reactions to these things can also cause a hindrance of revival and actually be the thorns which choke out the life, the more fruitful true life which God desires to see thrive in your life, in your own personal life and that of your congregation. If this video is a blessing to you, just do me a solid and, and click that thumbs up button down below. But if you don't like this, if this irritates you and, and just you know makes you want to choke me, then um, hit that thumbs up button twice uh, on your way out. <laughs> God bless you all. Friends, you cannot be led by fear or suspicion. Do not let the enemy which burnt you with his fiery darts now be the reason that you won't burn for the living God. 
Oh, the great Elvis Presley did rightly prophesy when he sang, We can't go on together with suspicious minds. Friends, I want you to know of a truth that God really is a good, good father. He loves to bless his children with good things. If he gave up his own son for us, how much more freely shall he not give us all things when we ask? If we ask for bread, he won't give us granite. If we ask for an egg he will not hand us a scorpion if you being evil and carnal know how to give good gifts to your own children how much more freely and joyfully can we not trust our heavenly father when we ask him for his holy spirit it's in the book of luke friends from the sermon on luke's version of the sermon on the mount he said we can trust god that he will give his true Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Oh, but however, oh, sadly, the traditions of men, which have no basis in the actual inspired scripture, will continue to stifle and hinder the work of the Spirit. See Mark 7, 13. The error which brings out the malaise and idleness is caused by an ignorance of not only an ignorance of the word of God, but also an ignorance of the power of God. And that's in Matthew 22, 29. Oh, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Friends, we experience a sense of spiritual death because we don't have a proper pneumatology. And also, zeal without knowledge is not good. But on the flip side, we have seen many people err in blasphemous sin because of hastiness to run after anything that sounds supernatural or enticing. We've mistaken works of the flesh and, and even the doctrines of devils for the true manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We've got to own up to that. We must give up, friends. We have to give up on every idea of our own, even the things which worked for others and even that which was positively pragmatic for our own experience in the past, we must become totally and completely now again dependent upon Christ alone. For in him we have sufficiently and abundantly all that we need for life and for godliness. Friends, I'm telling you that you can indeed and in truth trust your God. And furthermore, if you wish to see any joy this side of eternity, you must trust God. Give up on your shame and get back in the game. Dust your feet off from the trenches and get back on the battlefield. Your king is waiting for you to run to him and run with him. When Israel crossed the Red Sea, God had Moses hold a staff uh, and, and they walked across the dry land. But when they came to the Jordan, God had the priests step into the water first before the waters were cut off. So you see, we've got to realize that we're on a relational journey with a living being and not a dead, rigid set of principles. We've got to remember Jesus when he said that he would be with us. Why do we ignore him and his presence? It's because like the Israelites before Mount Sinai, we would rather have men tell us what God wants and to, to, for them to make it more palatable for us while we build our golden calves 
<laughs> rather than actually uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to meet with God ourselves and even risk being deafened by his thunderous roar and scorched by his all-consuming fire. Oh, friends, many of us would like to think that we would enjoy the idea of revival, but none of us are willing to pay the actual price. We would like to see the blessings and benefits without even one iota of sacrifice. We don't want to deal with the mess that true revival brings. We would rather go back to making bricks without straw so that we can keep our leeks and onions by the Nile. We love our comfort too much. Rather than enduring the thrill of being fed fresh manna every morning and following the pillar of fire by night, oh, friends, you're never going to receive the blessings of the promise of the Father if you do not labor to enter into his rest. We will never see the milk and honey unless we leave the land of our fathers and go to the place where he shows us. We would rather imagine being served by the gods we've made with our own minds than actually serve the living God who created our imagination. This type of surrender is not easy, but it will be costly. Uh, if you want to see God move, if you want to see God truly move by his sovereign Holy Spirit in your church, you must step aside from every ounce of inkling that you think you know what you're doing just because you've done it before or because you've read about it happening to others. God will always resist the proud, but he will give grace to the humble so draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. He is always a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and you will find him when you search for him with all your heart. Why don't we just take God at his word and believe him? Try this. No, seriously, try this. Take this into consideration. Just stop what you are doing right now and go to the secret place of prayer and lay everything at his feet, asking him to remove from your fleshly mind every preconceived notion that you've ever had about the Christian life and spirituality, to remove every teaching of man out of your heart and ask him that he would be your teacher. And lastly, friends, I just want to tell you, we need to be able to celebrate diversity. What do I mean by that? I, I, I'm talking about the diversity, not, o, not only among our, our brothers and sisters from, from other churches and in other parts of the world or, or other paradigms of, of cultural context, but even among the members of your own local congregation, celebrate diversity. We do have to be flexible in our methodology and, and give liberty to God to work through others. We've got to know that, that what he puts into the heart of one may be just as pure as a different thing that he puts into the heart of another. One may be moved to, to go minister on the streets and passing out tracts and praying with moms at the murder mills. Another may be moved by the Spirit to sell his house and move his family to an undisclosed mountain range in Eastern Europe to spend the rest of his life translating the Bible for a people who have never had their own language even written down before. God may call you to the fields of the end of the earth, or he may call you to remain faithful in your secular job and, and just shine the light of the gospel in that place turning that culture upside down for the glory of God. 
Whatever the outworking of the Spirit's power in your heart, there are certain factors that cultivate a true, genuine move of God. And we must align ourselves with His revealed will if we want to see His blessings poured out. God said plainly, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And you all, many of you all know that Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Now I want to encourage you to be looking out for the next video in this series where we'll be continuing this topic by looking into the treatment and the cure of this disease of decay. And we'll discuss how you can see your dying church resurrected to vibrant life in the very real power of the Holy Spirit. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on that. So make sure you subscribe and ring that bell to get notified when that video comes out. But for now, just click on, on one of these two videos that are about to pop up on your screen for more encouragement in your faith. And until next time, my friends, just see to it that no man steal thy crown and never forget the blood.